Welcome to On Route to Wealth, a show where those who haven't always been included in the finance world lean in and have open money conversations. We talk about building wealth so that we can live our dream lives, support our family by breaking generational patterns and creating generational wealth, and use our money to do good in the world. When good people have money, good things happen. We believe everyone has their own unique definition of what wealth means to them, and it's based on each person's dreams, desires, and values. Achieving true wealth is a holistic process that goes beyond just making money and incorporates nurturing your mindset and relationship to money and elevating the energy that you feel around your money. I'm your host, Christy Runzer. I'm so happy you're here, my love. Now let's press play on the episode. Hey all, popping in here before press and play on this week's episode to let y'all know that my conversation with my guest Lizzie this week, who is awesome by the way, you're gonna love her. We talk about her personal experiences as a limited partner in an investment fund and her learnings as an inv- as an angel investor. We share all this for informational and educational purposes only, and this is not investment advice. Enjoy the episode. We're back for another episode of the On Route to Wealth podcast. I'm so excited to be here today with Lizzie Freudman. She founded her company, One More Thing, in 2014. And since then, she's worked with a diverse portfolio of clients from solopreneurs to large international organizations. As an entrepreneur herself, she appreciates the need for all marketing efforts to be strategic, thoughtfully designed and efficiently implemented to achieve the client's goals using the resources available. Throughout her career, Lizzie has worked with numerous startups. These experiences have given her a unique perspective on the venture ecosystem, and after years on the pitching side of the table, inspired her to get involved as an investor herself. Her investment interests are focused on companies working to address the climate crisis and ventures serving the needs of emerging markets. Awesome. Hey, Lizzie. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited. I'm I'm so excited to hear about the other side of the table and being an investor, but I'm curious before we kind of dive in to hear a little bit more about your journey, your story, kind of how you've got to where you are. Share as much or as little as you want. I know that can be a loaded question, but how no, did you kind I, of get to where you are? So, um, well, I'll answer the question in two parts. One, how I got to be um, a person who has my own marketing business. Um, and then also how I got to be a person who is investment oriented, but also philanthropy oriented, which I sort of feel are two sides of the same coin. And we can get to that in a minute. Um, but from a marketing build biz- building business perspective, um, my dream had always been to work in the music industry. I went to Los Angeles. I did some really exciting um, work in the early 2000s, like 2006, 2008, um, with some really big band, bands that you'd have heard of if you'd been around like listening to music then bands like Fall Out Boy and Panic at the Disco. And we did a lot of experiments in the early days of monetized content. Um, so I accidentally ended up learning a fair bit about technology because that's where we were experimenting. And then I worked at Universal Music Group in their product development department. And then I decided I wanted to go to graduate school. So I moved down to New Orleans and got an MBA at Tulane and a master's in global business 
at Tulane. And um, then I started my own company and had a couple of really interesting clients in the startup side, some with successful exits, some that decided um, this was not the time for them, all different stages. Um, I really love working with small companies that are scrappy and, and, and trying to make it work. And I love working with larger companies and helping them rethink their materials for um, a contemporary audience. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I have a website. If you ever want to hire me, you can totally do that. Um, I am also a certified B Corp, although I'm about to go through my recertification process. Um, A B Corp is a company that um, meets a whole bunch of requirements for ethical and socially responsible business practices. So um, where where traditionally the model is that a publicly traded company, at least, their their job is to maximize shareholder value. For us, we think of maximizing stakeholder value. And, you know, I've, I've been talking to people who are in other generations from me, and, and they have very specific connotations about the word stakeholder. But so let me clarify for anybody listening that I think of a stakeholder as anybody who is um, impacted by the business's performance. Um, and that could be somebody who lives in the area that the business has their headquarters and is impacted by the pollution or the traffic or, you know, the person who works in their cafeteria or the person, if it's a food company, Ben and Jerry's is a B Corp, one that everyone knows. So like a stakeholder would be the person who is in charge of feeding the cows or growing the cows and their veterinarian and all the people that are sort of involved in making the company successful and operate the way that it does. And, and in a lot of ways, we're all stakeholders in many, many, many companies. And it includes, of course, the consumer and the employees and the leadership. But um, mm. it's important to sort of think about how you operate as a business and what the unintended consequences might be, um, even if you're trying to do a good job. And what I love about the B Corp community is there's a like, uh, acceptance and, and positive and way to like attitude to embracing the unknown unknowns. Like we can't possibly have thought of everything. Mm-hmm. So we have to listen and we have to adjust accordingly. And and instead of it feeling like a chore or feeling defensive, it feels like a quest to me personally. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Cause it's, it's thinking about the impact your business is making on a bigger level, right? Like you kind of gave that example of who's a stakeholder. Cause like when I was going through, you know, financial planning school or you know whatever we're going to call it, stakeholder is someone who has ownership in the company, right? So it's, that's who we're trying to do things for impress, like create more profit for the owners. That's kind yeah. of like the old model. Right. And, and this B Corp model is so fascinating because it's it's really being conscious about how your business is impacting everybody that it touches. Yeah, like if you're polluting the water, that like goes all the way down to so many people. It hurts the animals. It hurts people drinking it. You know, and we and we we now understand science well enough to know that like the impact is not contained. Um, and I really enjoy the challenge of being better every day. Mm, I love that. And I love that you went for, for B Corp. Cause I think a lot of people think you need to be like, you know, 
a massive, like publicly traded company, like multi-millions of dollars to be able to do something like that. Right. But that's not the case. No, it is not the case. And um, perhaps that's a good segue to, to the conversation that brought us here today, which is um, the same ethos that I applied to my B Corp thing, which was like, I wanted to take a positive stance, even though my business is small and, you know, it's really just me running the show most of the time. And then depending on the different projects um, that I'm working on, maybe I'll hire somebody for a contract or maybe I will be given resources to manage from the client or whoever it is. Um, But to thinking of myself as really being an agent of my own, like, ethical path Mm. um, has also expanded into, first it was philanthropy um, and me thinking a lot about what it meant to be a philanthropist and why the the conversation around philanthropy tends to focus on foundations and people with loads and loads of like cash to write, you know, hundred million dollar checks or whatever. And those people are great. And they're definitely philanthropists in some ways that like not everybody can, can reach, but actually like, what does it mean to be a philanthropist? So I think it means consciously um, giving time resources, effort, and kind, whatever you can do with a clear focus on what you want to Mm -hmm. see, have a, like the impact that you want to see. So whether you're like a philanthropist who's really currently passionate about homelessness or hunger, childhood hunger, like being intentional about how you choose to address those issues, um, And again, I think philanthropy is another place where the need to listen is um, perhaps not highlighted as much as it should. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can't know everything about how a nonprofit runs. We can't know everything about the constituents that a nonprofit serves. Um, We have to trust that the experts who do this every day in some ways know more than we do and be willing to um, take some guidance from them on how to best allocate our money. And so like a couple of years ago, I went through a program called EPNO, Emerging Philanthropists of New Orleans. Um, and in order to participate in the program, you you commit $500 as a donation. And then the program matches it and they put you into these little teams to focus on a specific area. So like housing or um, health or whatever the different areas are. Um, when I was on the housing team, I didn't know anything about it, but, you know, we, we went through this curriculum where we learned all about, you know, housing in new Orleans issues around it. And then we were able to, my $500, turn into $10,000 as a, with like the team. So we were really focused on collective giving. Um, it was a fabulous experience and such a fabulous experience that I signed up to be on the board and have been on the board of that organization for the past couple of years. And the question of who is a philanthropist, what makes a philanthropist, why are people unwilling to identify as a philanthropist, um, has, has been one that, you know, I think about daily. Um, 
And from there, this is a very long-winded route to the topic that you actually wanted to talk about. I was like thinking about, you know, people who write big checks have a lot of influence, whether it's in the nonprofit space or in other spaces. And so, you know, I don't have the ability to write huge checks. I can write some medium-sized, you know, regular, I mean, pretty small in the world of of um, venture funding, it's pretty small checks. But if I if I'm strategic about how I allocate that money and make a commitment to put that money aside to continually be an investor in some capacity. Um, you know, right now I am constrained by, you know, how much money I currently bring in and how much I, my bills are and yada, yada. But I also, um, hope that my limitations will, you know, grow as I grow and develop my business more. So I decided a couple of years ago to really make that commitment. Um, and so I started researching funds that accepted LP partners and an LP partner is a limited partner. So I don't have any say in, you know, who, what deals get approved, but I picked a fund that was very values aligned and I picked the W fund. Um, and I'm sure I will send you a link to that so you can share that with everybody. I had a couple of phone calls with the fund manager. I looked at their current portfolio um, and I felt that I could trust them to make um, investments with my money that were like they were, you know, considering it on all angles, not just um, what's buzzy and cool and interesting. It's not like a get in, get out. There's a longer time horizon in investment the type of investments I like to make um, and um, the products are products that you, they identify serving a need. And I trust that the partners of the company and the, those doing the due diligence and stuff know better than I do about all these different markets. Um, and they want to highlight women and underrepresented founders. And that's a big deal for me. Um, there's such a, such an inequality. Um, and I felt like that was the right fit. So um, being involved in the, as an LP, you know, we get monthly, up, or if not monthly, quarterly updates on how the portfolio is doing and what's been changed and new investment opportunities and like updates on, you know, deal flow that like, if you're interested in being an angel investor, you could potentially, you know, buy on like as an angel or join as an angel, my jargon isn't excellent, um, in, in different capacities in addition to your role as an LP. And I, and I was like, yeah, I kind of would like to be an angel investor. And I was seeing how you know, in New Orleans, um, there are a handful of angel investors and every time a venture wants money, they go to the same couple of people. And I was like, well, they, like, I don't have enough to fund your business, but like, if I get a bunch of other people together, we could potentially be an alternative network 
for you to pitch to as opposed to the same like four people over and over again. So um, I'm very fortunate that the W Fund also runs a program called the Angel Sessions, which I'm currently enrolled in. And in the Angel Sessions, you spend two hours, two days a week talking with experts in the venture space and going over everything from like cap tables, due diligence and deal flow and um, the space, like overall trends, community. It's such an incredible group. Everybody in there is amazing. Um, I was so delighted the first, the first, like after the first session, because I was thinking, you know, I am the least experienced and the least informed person in this room. And that is always a great place to be because that means you get to just absorb all the other goodness that comes. Um, and so I'm in the middle of that. I'm learning a lot. Um, Kate, who is the, like, the conductor is, I guess, a good word for it, of this program, the founder, the person who runs it, the person who guides it. She's sort of, if we're an orchestra, she's the conductor. Um, she has a really, I really love one of the things that she said early on in our relationship is like, what's your investment thesis? And I've been thinking and thinking about that. So I'm not just like, oh, I'll put money here and I'll put money there and I'll do this and I'll, whatever. Like I want this return, to, but tomorrow I'm going to want that return. And like, um, what are the things that are important to me? And so I, then that's where we get to the philanthropy being two sides of the philanthropy and investment being two sides of the same coin. Took me a while to circle all the way back there, but I did, which is that the same things that I want to solve with philanthropy dollars, I feel like are worth exploring with investment dollars. And I would let like climate change is a really big thing for me. So when in my philanthropy um, spending, I really want to do, I want to help people impacted by climate change. I want to help um, workforce development with green jobs. I want to, you know, new technologies that you that are more environmentally friendly all these other things but at the same time like there needs to be so like that's one piece of solving that problem but like how are we building an economy that can sustain a more climate friendly like economic system so um i think i said that a little bit clumsily but i think that it makes sense. And um, I'm I'm still working on my investment thesis. It's an ongoing process. One of the things that I've decided is for me, for my next round, um, hopefully I'll have my thesis sort of for the next year or so complete. And I know that it's something that's going to evolve over time, but I want to like be guided by it for a year. But I know that one of the pieces of is that it's got to be a investment where if I lose all the money I put into it, which obviously I don't want to, I want to make a nice return and, you know, like use it to finance my glamorous life or whatever. But if I, if I do lose all of my money on it, will there be something that I feel was valuable that the world got out of it? So if it's this like climate change science company or like you know they're productizing certain types of 
uh, climate, like green energy, for example, um, and that and they fail, has what we learn from that failure? Can we take that and build a better solution in the future? Because the the, the learning is in and in and of itself valuable. Mm. If not for me, then for somebody, mm-hmm. like and all of us collectively. Yes. I'm loving this kind of connection you're describing between philanthropy and investing. And I see it and I resonate with it because ultimately it's kind of so in your example, you know, one of your main causes is climate change, right? And so you can align with that both by the organizations that you give to and also the types of companies that you invest in, for example. So I love this idea of them being related and I see them as related too. I definitely resonate with that. So, so much to dive into with what you shared. And Sorry, I took a really long time. <laughs> no, it was so helpful. I took so many notes and I, I have so many questions. So I'm curious. Well, I guess just to highlight a takeaway, I'll, I'll say to start when you were kind of exploring this world of philanthropy, you asked yourself, right? Like, what does it mean to be a philanthropist? And you came to this definition of consciously giving with a clear focus on the impact. I think that's a great place to start, right? Like what, you know, what does this mean to me? And and what is my framework and, and definition with working with it? Because I, okay. So I'm thinking of myself always, like I want to be just like some wealthy woman who's a philanthropist and investing in everyone's businesses. Like I have this vision, right. But you mentioned kind of like people struggling to resonate with the term philanthropist. And, and I, I, I hear that because I feel like you have to have like millions to, to be a philanthropist, right? So I guess for, for those of us who aren't like multimillionaires yet, right? But are interested in, in this philanthropy, that is like the hardest word to pronounce if you say it a lot of times, <laughs> philanthropy space, right? Like any tips around kind of like maybe where we can dive in and, and maybe it's just kind of asking yourself that question to start and def- you know, seeing what that looks like for you. I mean, there are tons of resources because I'm on the board of a nonprofit that teaches people how to be a philanthropist, but only in my sort of local area. Um, I have access to a lot of resources that not everybody does. And and I don't want to like give away bad information, but I would look in your region or in a region that you're interested in. For example, if you're like really motivated to um, donate money to wildlife conservation in Africa or whatever, like see research and see who the main organizations there are. And then, um, you know, you'll see many of them will share who their donors are, the foundations that are part of them. Uh, There may be individuals, there may also be groups. Giving circles are a big thing where everybody contributes a certain amount of money, and then you can feel like you've given, um, given more because collectively, like, you know, we give together so we can give more. Um, and I would also, you know, look around you and see, you know, you can easily identify a million needs if you like during your day and mm-hmm. feel the ones that you feel like I want to put a little bit of energy and thoughtfulness into this. Um, so like once you have sort of a understanding of the landscape and who participates in it and who you might want to work with to address these problems. Um, Then you have 
sort of a a challenge of like the best challenge, which is the fun challenge, is like how much can I give and in what way? Um and not only thinking about it in terms of money, but being like, what do you need? Do you need an introduction to this person? Do you need a graphic designer for a couple of hours? Do you need help um, stuffing envelopes? Do you need whatever it is? And like, we all do a lot of volunteering, but if we are, and and like, that's great. Like, I'm, I'm not like, if you don't, if you don't, if that's a mo- mode that works for you, great. But like mm-hmm. me, when I, and again, this is me personally, and I'm not saying this is the way it has to be for everybody. But um, when I think of philanthropy, I'm like, well, you know, this, this is part of my giving, borrow Kate's word, my giving thesis or my giving roadmap or um, my giving goals. And so if I'm volunteering for a couple of hours, because I don't have like expendable income or to donate, it feels like it is furthering my philanthropy goals because, because it's part of my philosophy. Um, Yeah. You can do time, you can do money, you know, you can do both wherever you are on your journey. It's just about showing up for that cause. And do you just reach out directly to the organization and just say like, Hey, how can I help? Or how do you kind of get connected? More or less. I, I mean, that's just sort of my, my mode in life is just to be like, hello, what do you need? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good, good way right, to be. <laughs> and right now, um, that's a, things are a little bit different just because I am on the board, which puts me in a slightly different position. However, I do think there are, the needs are so great, right? Like whether it's like animal shelters who need fosters for parents, for dog parents or blankets or dog food. Like if you will pay attention, you're going to be inundated hmm. with the type of like requests and the different ways you can participate. And that's one of the reasons I think that it is helpful to have a thesis or a goal or whatever, even if it's like for the next quarter, my goal is to work on hunger in my community or animals in my community or, um, you know, getting out the vote or whatever it is. Um, And you will find, find things. And, um, you know, if anybody wants to, I, I like this, I do this all the time. I always say, just send me an email. And yes, please send me an email if you have questions about how to find things in your local area or you need some thought around it. But I will not be able to answer your email <laughs> until like the middle <laughs> or it's end of January at this point. I am booked. <laughs> um, but yes, feel free to do that because I do feel like it's an important thing and, and there's nothing wrong with learning and asking. Yeah. Do you just go on Google for the most part or are there any databases or things sure. you would recommend? But yeah. I mean, if you want to verify like GuideStar is one, but, um, five star, five star, I'll send you a link. It's like a charity navigator, but you know, there's probably some kind of foundation in your, in your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. They probably do, um, philanthropy programs, um mm-hmm. okay I'll find that yeah I didn't think to look at I didn't think to look yeah. up the foundations or anything like that yeah I, I'll get you some resources um but but you know you you want like 
you don't want to like talk to the Rockefeller Foundation because they're sort of a self-contained thing. You want to talk to something that's like working within a space. Mm-hmm. Um, Aligned with your um, yeah, like goals, vision. Yeah, you're not trying to get, I mean, in, unless you are trying to get a job at like the Rockefeller Foundation or whatever. But like, so uh, an organization I work a lot with, it's called the Greater New Orleans Foundation or GNAF. And they do, um, they're very visible in my community. They have uh, a thing called like, Give NOLA Day, where all the local nonprofits do a bunch of promotion, and there's like awards if you get a donation every hour of the day. Ran the Walk Around Walk Rock Around the Clock Award for like with a bonus couple hundred dollars or whatever it is, and so the whole city gets involved in like promoting, and uh, it raises awareness of individual nonprofits in the community. But then because everybody in the community is participating in it people outside the community start being like, what is going on over there? So there, there's just a lot, um, you know, churches and synagogues and mosques and um, like even, even like humanist organizations tend to be um, connected mm-hmm. to, you know, people who are in need. Lots to learn. I'm hearing, you know, do your research, learn, also check in with yourself, right? What do you, what's your thesis? What's your philosophy? What's your vision? What, what, how do you want to give and start there? And, and yeah, yeah, even dedicate I love like a month at a time. Cause I get so overwhelmed. I'm like, but I want to do this. I want to do this. And then it's like, you get, you do nothing because you're just in your head. And so it's like, pick something, do some research on it, connect with some people, um, focus on it for a month have some learnings. You can go from there. I would be actually really shocked, like astonished if, if somebody like said, okay, I'm going to do research and I'm going to do this for one month. And then I'm going to do all my research again. And for my next month, like I'm going to go from hunger and then next month I'm going to do animal rescue or whatever. Yeah. I would be astonished if in the initial round of research you did to find that one thing, you didn't also get a ton of exposure to a million other things because once (laughs) once you are plugged in, you will hear, you will hear so much. You will start um, talking to people who are, you know, because nonprofit leaders, whether they are in education or clean air or, you know, workers' rights or whatever, they all need um, similar types of support from an infrastructure perspective, like they need email lists and they need um, ways to process their payments and all these other things. And some of the major like foundations that will also run something called fiscal sponsorships, which is a whole different conversation, um, will provide those kinds of resources to nonprofits. And so like, if you know a person at the place that like handles the, yes, you can use our payment processing software, you will get access to like every person in that community, if you show up to those events, right? Like yeah. it's going to be a lot easier than you think. <laughs> right. Basically <laughs> once you start, like it, it's, yeah, there's endless amounts of <laughs> people needing help. And, and yeah, even if you're on one cause that can go in so many different directions. Yeah. Um, I have a friend called Cece and I'll send you a link to the work she's done. She's done a really fabulous job of organizing a giving circle. Mm. Um, yes. And- I will see if I can get a link for her and then maybe you can include it in the show notes for this is like a blueprint of what you might want to 
Um, yes. People might want to aspire to. Yeah, the giving circle's a really neat way to kind of get your foot in the door. I love that. Amazing. Okay, so we have the philanthropy philanthropy piece. Let's talk about being an investor because that's freaking yeah. badass. So for those who don't know, what is it? What is being an LP in a fund? A limited partner means I write some checks and then give them to, in this case, Kate, who, you know, collects my money and the money that the fund has and looks at a million billion proposals and says, these are the ones that are aligned with what people in our fund care about, you know, and, and like for us, for me, that's like women and underrepresented founders and like, but, but that could be anything. It can be like people who work, um, we want, we're a fund that invests on like applications for Salesforce or like, um, people who live in the like sub-Saharan Africa or people, you know, it's like any, there are a million different types of funds and you just need to think about which ones are the ones that like you feel have the most impact to you. And maybe in like also what impact means to you. So like I said, I shared that one of my investment thesis pieces is going to be, um, even if I lose all my money, did I, did I or the world gain knowledge from it? And, you know, other people might say like, I need something where the timeline for my exit is, or like the timeline where we're going to start to see returns is within a year or within five years or whatever it is. Um, and I'm very new to this, like I said. So perhaps some of the things that I'm saying are very broad and um, may or may not be totally easily accessible to everybody. But um, yeah, think about what it is that you want. And how you want to make money off of this and what additional value being like owning the title of investor <laughs> creates for you. And then look for those opportunities or create them. Mm. And so LP, becoming an LP is kind of a way to invest in businesses that are aligned with your values, aligned with your investment thesis. But then like you're going in a pool with a bunch of investors, everybody's putting money into this fund, right? And then the fund managers are choosing the companies, right? So I guess this is kind of a route. This is like one way to do angel investing, right? Like a way to. Get, so I would flag that and say, I'm not sure that that would count as angel investing hmm. or because the fund is technically making the investment and then the fund is paying me back. I would have to, you know, right. vocabulary, but you're investing in the fund. And and whereas the, angel invest in, investing might be like you giving money directly to the company, yeah, which you are, but like you're pooled yeah. with other people. So that's, yeah, the, I mean, it's like, it's all these different financial structures. And, and so that's one of the things I'm learning in this course that I'm taking and again, like I'm still taking the course and we learned like each of the sessions are two hours. So like, I have to rewatch the videos multiple times, I'm sure, to like digest all of the information. But, you know, there are different types of um, investment vehicles like safe notes and SPVs and all these other things. And each one have different terms. Um, something there are syndicates where it's like you and 10 friends or you and five friends can get in. And again, like 
to giving together to give more, having a more impact, giving together to get more in this case too, because you obviously you want returns. Um, but there's so many considerations. And if you're even a little bit curious, please, please talk to Kate because I can talk about what it meant to me, but I'm so new. I'm like, um, I was, I, I waited for like a year for this cohort to open and um, I'm still in the middle of, of course, I mean, it's the thing that I did just before our, our meeting today was we talked about um, like venture math and, and I think that there's just so much power in, in viewing yourself as an investor mm-hmm. and owning that title, even if you are a small scale investor um, and taking, and taking the time to like learn the vocabulary. I, I feel, I mean, I'm, again, I'm learning two hours, twice a week. I'm also running my business. It's going to take me a long time to really go through all the videos and the papers and memorize or like really get familiar with the terms and start throwing them around like a pro. But, um, but I do feel like the jargon in some ways is a really big gatekeeping thing yeah. to keep people out. And like, you can look up the words in like on the internet and find them or you can not use the words and just talk about like ideas and and you know have conversations in in language that you're comfortable with as you build up your knowledge yeah um and i and you know like don't let the people who intentionally made this seem very difficult and elitist and complex trick you into thinking that it's not for you because it's for you. It, I mean, like, not everyone can have access to every type of um, investment vehicle. You know, there's, um, you have to be an accredited investor, which means you have to have like a certain income. Yeah. I think it's like 250 single, 300 K yeah. married and then you yeah. and or a million dollar net worth, something like yeah. that. Can't include your house, but, but they've recently adjusted those. Um, rules to include certain types of financial certifications. And I, I think one of them is CPA. I don't remember all of them. So it's like, if you, if you're, if you meet one of those um, criteria, you can qual, qual, qualify as accredited, even if you don't have the um, financial assets. But if you're, if you can't qualify as accredited, look for options that, that are available to you. Um ask a lot of questions, talk to people, show up. Yeah, this is great advice. And I think to your point around really owning that identity of investor, right? I see that all the time with the the folks that I work with is, you know, because we haven't heard from society or the media that like we're investors, right? Like, so getting wrapping your head around that being an identity that you hold and and owning that and showing up at that like that's a whole thing within within itself so i think that's just such a great little nugget that you share of like no like you can and are an investor and like don't let that jargon keep you out like yes it's going to add some annoyances potentially because you're going to have to be googling you're going to be it is a learning process right but that doesn't mean it's not for you. So thank you for saying that. I think that's so important. I mean, and now there's like crowdfunding stuff. And so you can like 
make a $200 investment in like a startup you believe in. Um, like you can do that and you're still an investor. Right. Exactly. It doesn't have to be much. You can buy like a stock for 50 bucks or like, like it can be something little and it can be the, the way that the reason I didn't go with stocks is because I feel like, and that's true. You are, I mean, like there's so many ways you can invest. Different type of investor. Yeah. You can be like an investor and that you like invest in art and then like assume that it's going to appreciate in value. But, but what, what, what is meaningful to me and you can see me, but other people won't be able to see me is that like, I'm, I'm like grasping my heart here because what I, what I truly believe is that, you know, in the society that we live in today for better or worse, um, enterprise and the economy is really shaped by like, we, 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 we focus so much on the economy and on like what enterprises are doing. And we talk and talk about like Elon Musk and like whoever else is like the, the, you know, CEO of the day, they're kind of like royalty or whatever. It's it's a little ridiculous. There's such a cult of personality around them, but like, um, there are so many people with great ideas that are just like, hanging out at the coffee shop somewhere and trying to raise money and and they're just as talented and their ideas are just as good, but they, they come from a different sort of echelon of networks and therefore maybe don't have the, the spotlights on them from the jump. And so when you are thinking about like new companies, new entrants into the marketplace, new voices into the, economic system um I, I, capitalism is a complicated thing but but we cert and 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 you know i don't want to go into like a whole philosophical discussion about the pros and cons of capitalism but i do think that if we are looking for a way to achieve social change at this moment we have to work within the con- constraints of the system we exist in yeah i think that's the end of that thought <laughs> yeah no it 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 makes sense right and and i think that's a great way to do it is just instead of all of our investment dollars going into companies that are owned by white men or follow certain like non-environmentally friendly procedures or whatever, right? Kind of how we've done business thus far, which is in my views, like focusing on profit and not people and, and, you know, just really only caring about the money and not the bigger impact. Right. And so being we we can make that change within our kind of constraints of how the system is set up just by instead of putting money towards those companies that it's always gone to right we can put our money and if we're all doing it together and collectively forming some massive giving circle or massive investing circle right we can reallocate those dollars to the the founders, the companies, the causes that are going to make the change that we want to see and that's what I get freaking fired up about yeah i mean and it's like massive is great but even if it's just like community and it's totally it can be small you're giving multiple plant pieces multiple people 
a chance who wouldn't have that chance otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it succeeds, you get money back and you get profit. So like everybody wins. Win, win, win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm not like, I don't want, I don't want, like, I never, ever like want to say like, yes, write a check. Obviously, um, do your due diligence, find the right people, check to see what you can afford, look into comparables, do what, do whatever you can do to make sure that like this meets your needs in terms of the timeline of when a return could be expected, how much you'd be willing to lose, how much you'd be willing to, um, you know, how, how frequently you'd be willing to donate. Cause maybe, maybe you want to be in, in a vehicle that doesn't require a huge checkup from, but can be smaller checks as part of, throughout the year. Um, and, you know, I, I definitely don't want to say like throw caution to the wind. It's a party. Um, but yeah, be cautious, be careful, be smart, talk to financial advisors, talk to, you know, whoever you need to talk to. Um, but that doesn't like erase your power. Right. Be smart and savvy while also being conscious. Yeah. And making the impact in the way you want to on, on what, and I love how you said it doesn't have to be massive. That's so true. Right. Like it can be on whatever scale is, is right for you right now. And it can grow and, and, and you can inspire others. So there will be a ripple effect. You know what I mean? But you can definitely start small with it. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, so you're, you're an, an LP in a fund, right. And, and you're doing that, but then in your work in the program or, and you're learning about other investment opportunities, then is that kind of separate from the, the fund, just like different types um, of investments or. Yes. And no, I mean like the community that is running this angel sessions thing, um, is the same thing that runs it the W fund, which is like, I picked the W fund partially because of their focus on like sort of becoming more, bringing more types of investors to the table, but also um, it's like, it it creates more of an ecosystem and um, more, more avenues for impact. And then. um, Okay. So like, you know, you're a limited partner in a fund. So you, you put your investment into that fund and that's, generating a return, but then you're also kind of like learning about other types of angel investments as well. So like, is that in addition to the fund or is that for me? It is, it's going to be, that's me. That's like not everybody. And you know, not everybody will meet the accredited investor standards. So do you have to be accredited to do just angel investing in general or just, or LP or both? That's a good question. Um, I think it depends on the vehicle, probably. On the vehicle, yeah. On the vehicle. Um, the investment vehicle for those of you who are me, like, what vehicle? <laughs> I will try to find you the right um, the right information. AngelList is a good resource. It's sort of the platform on which you know, they collect payments and update us and for, um, the, for the W fund. But as an LP, yes, that's one. one to answer the question with, without needing to do a bunch of googly thing is um i'm an lp in the w fund however um while i love that and i'm glad that i am that um i do want to see if there are ways where i can be involved in an angel investor on a pretty small scale probably um as part of a group or whatever um in a more direct way 
partially because I think I love working with founders and startups. And, you know, sometimes when you, even if you can't fund a, a, a startup, you can offer them help in this way or that way. And it gives you a little more personal connection. And um, if you want, like you can, you can always like, people will always take money and be like, you just want to give me your money and never talk to me again. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, not everybody is like, some people will be like, if you'd like to take, if you'd like to give me your money and like show up for lunch every couple of weeks and hear about what our problems are, or, you know, um, do you know somebody who um, makes ergonomic chairs? Because we're thinking that might be a good business development partner. I thought of ergonomic chairs because I'm sitting in one. And, um, you know, it's like, you may know somebody. Um, and and there's that that opportunity, which is cool. Yeah. You just, you never know how it could look, what it, you know, there's, and there's different ways that, that you can, can structure it. Yeah. I'm, th- I'm just like, there's so much, <laughs> there's yeah, so much. I, I mean, it's when, when this is live, I'm going to send it to Kate and be like, just FYI, I did this. Uh, I hope I didn't tell anyone anything wrong and give like, and like lie. Um, so, so no, I, we were just kind of doing the basics too, like an overview. Yeah. We're kind of overviewing this world of investing in philanthropy, yeah. I think is the and, theme I'm pulling from this. Yeah. I mean, and, and what I want people to know is like, like I'm still learning, right. But, but I'm learning with the intention of being involved in this space. And, mm. you know, I don't pretend to be an expert. So like, if I say something and it seems incorrect to you, listener, double check it. and like don't think I'm telling it to you because I want you to believe that that's what I, that that's what's correct. Or I want you to believe that that's correct because I get some value out of you being, it being correct. I'm sharing where I am today mm-hmm. and ongoing learning experience. Um, and if we did this in a year, I'd have much more jargon I could throw around <laughs> and give you a much more detailed, um, you know, primer, but we we'll have don't. to do a part two. And but, but it's beautiful where you're at, right? Like you're you're demonstrating an example of somebody who it's important to invest. It's important to give back, and you're diving right on in. Like you're doing it. You're showing up. You're learning. And I think that's the bridge that a lot of people are missing. They have this vision and this want to do those things, but you know, it's not for me. Where do I start? I need to make more money, blah, 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 all the things. And so I think you're just such a beautiful example of like, you have this vision and, and you're, you're doing it and you're, you're learning and you're, you're okay to be in that learning phase because we all are, we all are. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one thing that's always interesting to me is, um, I know that I'm wrong a lot, right? So like, who isn't? Come I on use, now. <laughs> I, use, I use I use words incorrectly, or I, I I guess things wrong, or but like I'm not wrong all the time. Um, I'm, and when it comes to like the things that are important to me, I'm right more often than I'm wrong. But I also understand that like being wrong is part of learning. Um, you know, anything whether it's like 
driving a car or riding a bike or learning to play the piano, you know, you practice and um, then you get good at it. And then, and so like, I don't, I'm, I'm sort of glad that like, maybe I will be wrong about a few things in this interview because um, we don't often get to see the practice stage of things. So um, here I am practicing, talking about investing and being an investor. And like, um, yeah, I mean, I might be wrong about stuff, but that's okay because I'm practicing and eventually I'm going to get better at it. And so when when you're trying and, and if you use the word wrong or you like um, misspeak or or refer to something incorrectly or make a bad decision and lose a bunch of money or whatever, like it happens. You're practicing, but that doesn't make you less of an investor. No, there's always more to learn. We're all practicing. Life is just a giant like practice. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and, you know, we, we, we often don't show the practice and we don't. it happens behind the scenes. And like, you also just talking to you, like, People are going to hear you and be like, what do you mean you're pr-? like, you know, you know so much like I'm I'm over here like what I'm just hearing about this for the first time. So it's like, you know, it's all it's all relative too, and we all yeah, we're all learning. And and so we're I say that to say like wherever you are on your journey, like yeah, embrace it. Talk about it. Talk about where you are to other people, even if you're saying like this is my very first time I've had a conversation about investing um, because. Because the space isn't um, going to make room for you. You have to force it, you know. You got to get on in there. (laughs) Like the door isn't going to magically open. You got to like pound on it. Even even if you feel like you don't belong in the room, like Mm -hmm. just get in there. Yeah. I mean, I'm a financial planner. I've got all the like licenses and designations, but I don't know about angel investing. That's something that I want to learn about. That's why I'm asking you, like, what are you doing? How do I get in? Because I don't know any of this. Talk to Kate tomorrow. I mean, like, she's the best. So yeah, I'll write an intro as soon as I'm done with this. Uh, Amazing. Thank you so much, Lizzie. This is so helpful for anybody out there who just wants to get into investing in, we'll call it a more non-traditional way, I guess. I think the traditional way we think of is like invest in your retirement account, right? Or, you know, however we want to call it, but anyone interested in kind of like investing in in that type of way or increasing their giving and, and their philanthropy, like this has been a great conversation for just kind of like where to get started and, and know that like, no matter where you are now is the time. The time is great. Like you don't have to wait till you're at like some, some magical place to, to do it. Right. Yeah. And I would also say that, um, think about who you want to be as a business person in the world. And, um, you know, investing in retirement is definitely a financially responsible thing to do. Yeah. I don't hate on that. Like I love a good retirement account. (laughs) But like, it isn't um, something that can meaningfully impact the way you show up in your work every day. I mean, I guess it could, but for me, it wouldn't. Um, However, if I am, you know, investing in this technology or that technology, I'm suddenly more curious about it. And it makes me um, want to do business with other people in that space. And I want other people in that space to know that I'm an investor in, you know, widgets of this kind or whatever, because 
because it it does change the way people per- perceive you. So there are like optical benefits to it as a business person, in addition to like ethical benefits and financial benefits, hopefully, um, when you get your returns. Yes, let's get those returns. And yeah, like let's invest in good companies too. We can can do it all. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Lizzie, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. I have so many notes. I'm like going to be, I have some homework to do for, yeah. for those who want to connect or follow along or, or get in touch. What's the best way for people to connect? Uh, email me. Um, and you have my email. Do you want me to say it? I'll say it. It's yeah. Lizzie. I, my, my name is spelled a little funny. It's L I Z Y at O N E M O R E. T H I N G L L C dot com. That's Lizzie at one more thing LLC.com. Um and I'll send you, you know, you have it so you can just include it. Yeah, in the I'll notes. put it in the in the but, notes. That um, sounds great. But again, like guys, I'm 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 full up till the end of the year. <laughs> Don't so, expect a response anytime <laughs> soon, basically. <laughs> And I really, really want to respond. And maybe I will if I'm like in line somewhere and have checking my email. But my email list is so long right now. Um, and and uh, I, but I, I never I hate unanswered questions. So like I, I really want to give you a response. Email and be OK with a wait time is what I'm hearing. <laughs> or on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm like hit and miss on how often I check. Sometimes it's like several times a day. Sometimes it's once a week. Sometimes it's once every three weeks. I haven't been on my LinkedIn in years. I need to get on It's really that. good. It's yeah. really, I mean, you can learn a lot and it's up. It's a good tool. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like LinkedIn. Um, it's also really easy to point people to, in the right direction in LinkedIn because like you're already there. So you can say like, talk to this person or like, here's a group or whatever. Um, so yeah, those are probably the best ways to find me. Awesome. I would have said Twitter a couple of months ago, maybe, but not anymore. Not so much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have Twitter either. But I used to use it all the time and it's been great. And there are some really interesting investors on Twitter that you can follow that will share their investment journey and how they, and it's, I mean, it's the best listening tool I've found, but Hmm. um, it's buggy and it's also like just an unpleasant place to be at the moment. So for me personally, so, uh, not Twitter, but yeah, you can set up an account and don't ever post from it and listen to people. Just read. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good little, little tip. Awesome. Lizzie, you rock. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your tips, your insight. It was so helpful. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is really fun and interesting and um, a, a step outside of my comfort zone, I guess, because I've never done this before. So, well, you freaking did amazing. So Keep on, keep on going, girl. (laughs) Got it. Thanks so much for listening. As a reminder, this content is for educational and informational purposes only and is not financial, legal, or tax advice. If you loved this episode, please rate and review the show so we can reach more people and create more millionaires together. Connect with me on Instagram. My handle is at Christy, K-R-I, S-T-Y underscore Runzer, R-U-N-Z-E-R, and DM me with your thoughts and questions. Until next time, my love.